Welcome to episode 216 of Texting, hosted by myself, Justin Vincent, and Jason Roberts, recorded on Sunday, December the 2nd of 2012 at 6.21pm in Pasadena, California. Hey, Jason, how you doing? I'm doing all right. How about yourself? Pretty good. So, what's up? So, yeah, so sorry about being a little late there. Um, just trying to sort out uh, an issue with, um, our, see, our, our mailboxes were broken into. Our oh. entire condominium complex, they broke huh. into them. And this is the second time it's happened in the last couple months. And it happened, I think, the first, the second time it happened, the more recent time it happened was over the um, the holidays. Yeah. And we had not collected our mail for like the day or two before we left, or like the day before we left, and then we're, we were gone a day. So it was like two days of mail, probably three days of mail. This time around or last time around? This last time. So this so, time, did you lose anything? Uh, I don't know because all the mail was stolen. Oh, oh, <laughs> right. So you're going to find out. Well, and so I'm communicating with one of my clients. So I have some very sizable checks oh. that haven't hit bank account. I wasn't sure whether they paid electronically or they sent me a check. And so obviously. Is this little... like the first time you've been paid by this client? No, this is the, uh, the no, but it's a, uh, it, they paid, they paid both electronically and by oh, check. Oh, they paid a few different ways. Oh, that, And oh, so I don't know what's sucks. going on. So, and then, but I had to, I had checks coming from two clients. Hmm. So we're talking the order of like eight, $9,000 could be in, in the hands of someone limbo. very nefarious. So I don't know what's going on. I mean, hopefully they haven't sent it or hopefully that we have some kind of protection from our bank. Well, you do. I mean, you know, the ACH, you can, you can withdraw that. Even after a check's been paid, you can claim it back. Yeah, well, I because hope checks so. are basically ACH, right? No, aren't they? Checks are checks. I, mean, I thought the checks went through the ACH uh, clearing system. That's how they worked. Oh well, uh, maybe they do. I mean, but yeah, so yeah, yeah. And with an ACH, you can do a withdrawal. You can pull back. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, see, the thing is, uh, until until a banker gives me that confirmation, right? I'm not going to consider that a probability. Uh, a, a, a probability zero that the money's gone. So, so why why did that? Just out of curiosity, how did that make you late? Because I was emailing back and forth with my oh. um my client, and he's like, "Really?" Because I sent an invoice, and I said an invoice for October is outstanding, and he's like, "Really? I paid that?" And I'm like, "Oh crap!" Uh-oh. So, you know, so I was telling Sandy, like, "Look, you need to look on the." Uh, you know, check you know, our bank account again because I want to make I, I, I want to make absolutely positive that this hasn't come through. It's a thing around this area because in this apartment block, mm-hmm. people keep on stealing stuff. Like bikes keep on getting stolen. We've had a few messages from the from the head office. Really, so it must be this area. And plus, also in Uber Media, they they recently sent out an email saying that that people are getting mugged walking down Main Street of Pasadena after like eight. Really? Yeah. So wow. I don't know. Pasadena is like turning into the ghetto, man. Like, this, I think that's is, a, is, I think that's a bit of a stretch. to <laughs> look. I, I I don't know. I mean, I there's the crime is very low here. I mean, I in terms of these like 
mailbox break-ins, I mean, that's pretty limited. But anyway, obviously, we could be hit pretty hard by it if things aren't. I know that you don't have an iPad. What's that all about? Well, my like I, I've mentioned before, my kids are always using the iPad. And so I was at the bookstore with 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 the family and uh we got home and i ran in to grab my ipad and it has like seven percent uh juice left and i was like oh man so then i said all right and and the the extension and then like the cord for recharging is very long so i was like it's gonna be a pain to bring it here so okay no worries no worries well do you do you you have all the stories on i guess on instapaper i have them in uh i have them in a drafts email okay great so i got i got everything so uh what's new with you um I've been doing some more uh, mobile development with HTML. Um, I've been making some good progress on some aspects of that. I'm getting very frustrated with other aspects of that. Yeah. Um, Show you a little thing that I wanted to try and get. Because remember, the criticism that I got was that there was no transitions. It wasn't a proper app. So here is uh, an app that I've just working on made. So Mm -hmm. here's a transition. Nice. So you just... You can't really... That's completely native looking, right? uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, so that's transitions done, but another little app I'm working on, I'm not going to say what, what the business is going to be, but there's a part that I'm building, <laughs> just, just throwing my cat off the table there. <laughs> there's a part that I'm building where basically you can take photos and add them to like a, like a photo reel. Mm-hmm. And so check this out. Mm-hmm. So look, look at this animation right there. Oh, it's fantastic. Okay. So watch this. I'm going to take a picture of my annoying cat right now. Mm-hmm. So you'll see the nice uh, scrolling going on there. Yeah. Right. Say, I'm down here. Take a photo of the cat. Brings up the camera. There we go. Cat. Use. Puts it in there and does a nice little scroll. Brings it up. Okay. That's that's sweet, right? Think about how awesome this app could be. But then I click the home button and then I go back into the app. Does a freaking refresh. It, for Mm. some reason, it refreshes the images. There's no refresh going on. There's nothing happening. But just whenever it turns out of the suspended state in iOS, somehow the the UI is refreshing so you get a flicker of the images and I can't find a way around it. It's not a big deal. I, I think on the, on the uh, list of big deals, that wouldn't rank very high. You, you'd think? No. Mm-mm. Every time you open the app, it's going to do that. Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's probably... It wouldn't do it on Titanium. Well, that's probably true. Yeah, you know? it's going to be native. But, so is this PhoneGap or is this... Yeah, PhoneGap with HTML, yeah. Right. Yeah, because you're 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 the one thing with PhoneGap is you are limited by you you are stuck with the limitations of a browser. Yeah, right. So like you have do you still have the um do you still have the address bar in there or not? No, no, that's that's that's. But you have the you have the limitations of the keyboard, which is one thing people are complaining about. In yeah, you can't you can't dictate. Yeah, you specific, can't a very specific type of keyboard. Yeah, yeah. So there's a few small things, but you know, on balance, I mean, maybe it's not that big a deal. Anyway, so, um, you know, well, pretty happy with how that's going. Cool. And uh, that's kind of where I'm at with that mobile development. So t- let's talk about one thing you haven't talked about on the show much is your Digidoo stuff you've been working with. Yeah. Can you talk about that at all? I guess I can. Yeah. Um, oh, well, you know, I don't think I can because we're, we're in beta. We're not public. So? So. Uh, I don't have to do anything. I don't know. Well, one one thing is um, we can't, for example, apply to the launch conference if we if we publicly announce it. Oh, is that what you're thinking about doing? Yeah, that's one one possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Well, we'll let's leave that. Okay. We'll leave, leave that, that aside for now. for now. All right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, if, how about we start with some tech stories? Yeah, we haven't done a lot of tech stories lately, so I kind of think we should uh, get some of that going again. Okay. 
So the one thing I thought you might find interesting was an article just was on the Hacker News this afternoon. It was called Engineering Salaries at, at Silicon Valley Startups. Oh, yeah. I do find that interesting. Yeah. And it was, um, I guess it's like a recruiting firm or something or an investment firm. It was at uh, Riviera Partners. Um, take a look at all of their, I guess, of, of all of the, I don't know. We were part take a look at previous salary figures from the third quarter and compiled findings. Okay. So basically... This is in the Bay Area, and they said the skills that are highest in demand are C-sharp, Python, Scala, Flex, Ruby, Flash, Hadoop, Objective-C, PHP, and HTML5. Flex and Flash still on that list. Huge install base, right? There's a lot going on still with Flex and Flash. That probably still be the case for at least a few more years. You know, it's kind of interesting that Hadoop was so high up there. So it's kind of an interesting mix. So you have things like Scala and Hadoop, which are new... Uh, there's a much less of an installed base of people probably using it and who know it in comparison to some th- things like, say, C-sharp and PHP. But uh, the demand's there. Yeah. So yeah, it's a kind of interesting mix. Then you have you have things that are, you know, like C-sharp obviously has been around for 10 years, PHP for even longer. Um, yeah, it's kind of an interesting mix. So where did, where did PHP f- fit on the list? Uh, number nine. I don't know if it ranked it, but number one was C-sharp. Interesting. Two was Python. Wow. Because, because of, because of what? The... Django. Django. No, I mean, no, Python. A lot of this, okay. So it's not, not, Python is used for things beyond just, say, rendering web pages, where PHP is pretty much 90, 95% of what PHP is used for, maybe even 98%, is just rendering web pages, right? Yeah. And a few cron scripts here and there, <laughs> you know, but basically that's what it's used for. Python is used for a lot of back end. Um, number crunching and 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 just things the kind of things that Perl was used for just sys- systems oh, okay. right. type of work a lot of uh, I mean because there's all these libraries that are written in like uh, for like machine learning and quantitative stuff that's um, for Python like num was it NumPy and SciPy and all these things and I know that like the science team at um, at Uber I mean that's that's what they do everything in yeah so so you know, what do so you use Scala for? Scala is like a um, a functional it's a functional language that runs in the in the JVM. It looks, you know, whereas like Clojure is like a is a variant of Lisp. Scala looks or is looks sort of well, it looks like an. Do you uh, know what functional? functional do you know what functional language is like? Do you know how to describe it? Do I know how to describe it? It's not a, okay. We're an imperative language, like. And I'm, I'm asking you because yes. I don't know how to describe it. And yeah. I'm just curious. Have you ever, you, but you've never really used or played with it, or yeah. Anything. Like I'm not exactly sure what. I mean, is for example, XSLT. What kind of language is that? No, that's no, no. That that's that's the the uh, style sheet. Yeah, stuff of XML XML style stuff. I don't. Uh, know. No, no. XSLT isn't. It, it, it's, it has to do with XML though. Yeah. It, yeah. It's transforms. Yeah. X, XML yeah. transforms. Yeah. No. Now that now that's that really has nothing to do with it. Um, so the big, the granddaddy of functional language is Lisp, right? And then you have things like Scheme, which is a variant of Lisp. It's a Lisp. They call it Clojure is a Lisp. Yeah. Um, then you have things like uh, Haskell and um, ML. I think. So what it's defines a functional language then? I don't know how to define it. It's kind of, but what it is is like we're an imperative language where you have a sequ- like you have a sequence of operations var i equals six print <laughs> var i equals six print i for yeah. i you know it's like a series of things whereas like a functional language is like everything is a function this calls function so function calls this function whatever's returned from that function is called by 
you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of hard to explain. So it's like idea. functions in functions, like, like the way that clo closures work in JavaScript. No, not really. No. Not really. I mean, sort of like that in the sense that you're calling a function, you're passing functions to other functions, you know? Yeah. You're passing functions to functions. I, I don't know. I so mean, you can't do something like a sleep. No, I don't know. Well, I don't know if you can do something like a sleep, but it just doesn't work like an imperative language. It's oh. just different. I mean, well, so that'd be awesome for someone to, to write on the comments. Hell, let's, well, dude, check a Google. Okay, well, okay. What is, what is a what functional, is functional language? language? And okay. you know, we have like 50,000 uh, responses, everything from like the three line, you know, Yahoo answers yeah. to like the Margaret. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, anyway. So what, what, the, what was interesting though, is the average salary by company stage. So it was stored, the, the max for, was a, the maximum was 131,000. The, the angel round is the lowest at 118,000. And the B round is the highest at 131,000. But then it drops a little bit. Like uh, C round is 117,000. And the bigger, the bigger companies, I guess other would probably be, you know, larger public companies. Is, is, uh, the salaries are a little lower, actually. Which is interesting because you'd think that a company that sort of has B round financing is going to be paying you a little less than market rate because they're going to be compensating you with options. That should be valuable. Right, mm -hmm. Does that that makes sense, right? Yeah. Where if you're at a big co company, you're you're working at say IBM or Microsoft. Well, those options are they don't really have options to compensate you. So they gotta they gotta pay you. They gotta your compensation is purely salary with you know benefits. But it's interesting because from um from uh like the perspective of a consultant, like I guess us, those salaries could be much higher. You know, from like if you're on a hundred dollar an hour, for example. Yeah, but you know, a hundred dollars an hour is at full capacity. Yeah. Eight hours a day. Right. Yeah. I mean, first of all, most people aren't working. Most most people consults probably aren't at capacity fifty two or fifty weeks out of the year. No, that's no. true. Right. Yeah. So you got to, and then you have to um, take into consideration that they got to cover their own health care costs. They don't have any unemployment insurance. They got to pay their their half of Social Security unemployment. I mean, you know, whatever the uh, or whatever that's called in the tax category. But bottom line is, yeah, you can make more as a consultant, but you can also make a lot less, <laughs> right? I mean, <laughs> I it's like true. there's a lot of consultants out there who aren't making one hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year, and they have a lot more stress because they don't know if they're if their contract's going to continue for a few months. They don't know if they're you know, going to get paid if their client's going to go under. They don't, you know, it's The terrible. thing that, that really surprises me about that is the average salary by company stage, the, the seed angel stage, the average salary is 118000 mm -hmm. That is astonishing. How can it be that high? I don't, yeah, I, I, I think what's happening, well, I think these companies are probably hiring better people than, say, public companies. Right. I think that... Companies that have an angel funding are going to be a little pickier, right? And so I, I just think that they're, they're trying to attract higher quality people, and those higher quality people are, are, are insisting on, you know, a little more compensation. I'm wondering what the, what the mean looks like. So if it's 100, if 118,000 is the average, right, 
It, are we saying that what's the standard deviation that is the main you mean what's the standard deviation like what like like how many people are there for example on i don't know two hundred thousand, just to throw a number out in the end now see i don't think see that's what's the, the point i wanted to actually bring up about this which i thought was really interesting was they talk about um salary by experience so this is across rounds so one to three years the average is one hundred fifteen thousand, but 10 plus years is one hundred twenty-eight thousand. so there's less than a fifteen thousand dollar difference between someone with one year experience and someone with say 10 or 12 years experience. That's crazy. Isn't that interesting? So, you know, you're, you're, here's why I think, here's why I think that is. First of all, in startup world, most of the compensation is via options. Salary is not the primary way that you're attracting and keeping people. Okay. So if that's the case, they're going to pay them enough so that people are comfortable mm-hmm. that they're not they're not in. They're not in financial pain. Whether every month they're thinking, ah, maybe I should quit doing this thing and do something else. Because if they were paying them sixty thousand dollars a year and they're trying to live in New York or San Francisco, they'd be just like, I can only hold on for a few more months, right? I can't pay my student loans and my uh, rent and whatever yeah, else yeah. And, and stay afloat. So they got to pay them enough so that they're just like that they're committed. But they're thinking, okay, we're gonna we're gonna. Yeah, the idea being that the the, the real traction, the real payoff is through the options. But what is it? What I think is true is that it at most um, startups, the management isn't going to be compensated that highly either. Right. I mean, you, you know, you're not going to have someone has a B round of financing and they're, they're, with a with a CEO pay, being paid a million dollars a year. No, obviously no. not. I think they're like CTOs and stuff are, are making probably between 180 to maybe 250 range. Right. right. So, so that's what the CTOs would, would be on. Are uh, they I'm include, guessing. Are they included in this? No, but, but let's say So let's say you're the CTO. Right. Let's say you're making $200,000 a year. Are you going to pay, and you, you're managing an entire department. Let's say you have 50 people, 100 people working for you. You're in charge of all these developers, all these developer groups. And uh, so they're going to have these individual developers. All the guy does is sit there and write code. He's going to make as much as you? No. Right. No. No. Right. So that's not the case. So if you're making 180, then that guy might make 100 and. 20, 130, 140. Just be the fact that you have so much more responsibility, you know. So I think that there's downward pressure from there, right? That the investors aren't going to want the management, the founders to be cashing out when the, when the thing still is in an early stage, right? And the management isn't going to, A, also want to spend a lot of money on developers when they'd rather compensate them more with options, but also they don't want them make, they're not going to feel comfortable with paying these guys more than they're making. Listen, to me, generally, these seem high. I mean, for, for I mean, this is just talking about general coders, right? Mm-hmm. General coders between one and 10 years of experience. It, it seems very high. I mean, if you take this over to the UK, it's a totally different story. Because, for, because for example, 40,000, well, I mean, I guess I was there like five years ago or 10 years ago or whatever. But 40,000 was the average then. $40,000 a year? No, pounds, pounds. Oh, so that's what, 60, 70, yeah, 80? 60 to 70, yeah. So, and that was in London. Well, here's the thing, too. I mean, this is Silicon Valley, Bay Area, right? I mean, yeah. these people, these companies are trying to hire the best. This isn't like XYZ insurance company that's hiring some people to write some code to do whatever, right? I mean, these are these are like the, the best top, of these, the best. Yeah. I don't know if they're best of the best, but they're top tier, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, and, and, and uh, they're working longer hours. It's more committed. They're not working 35-hour weeks. Yeah. Right. We're in Europe. You have lim- you have limitations on how much people can work. Yeah. Right. It's not the same. I don't. I don't. I think there's not. It's not quite an apples and apples comparison there. 
And um, but what's interesting too is that one to three year people make one hundred fifteen thousand because you have an upward you have an upward pressure simply by supply and demand that they're look they're trying they're outbidding each other for the top candidates, right? So someone is coming out of school or one year out of school or whatever they're you know Facebook and Uber and Square and Stripe and all these people they're all fighting for the same yeah people. they're fighting for the same yeah, people we so need talent a, that's supply and demand yeah so I get there's it, a yeah. push up there but then yeah. there's a downward pressure we talked about for, so I think it compresses the salaries into that fifteen thousand dollar range yeah right that's interesting yeah so you can live in Silicon Valley or Bay Area on you know one hundred twenty five thousand dollars dollars a year and be comfortable. Yeah. You can you can pay rent, you can go out to eat, you can have a car, you can pay your student loans, you know, you can take a few trips. Um, but you're not going to be living large on those numbers. Of course, if you live in, in Texas or Ohio, you'd be living large. But um But that's anyway. another just to just to take this to another place, mm-hmm. like basically your maximum mortgage is going to be around about two and a half to three thousand based on that salary of 125,000. I know because we were looking into this and finding out what mortgage we could get based off, you know, however much we'd earned. And the problem is, is when you work as a, as a contractor, like we do, mm-hmm. um, they take it from what's, they take your net. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So basically I try, you know, I try and do well with my net. I try and keep that low so that I pay less taxes, but mm-hmm. unfortunately that screws you up in terms of going for a mortgage. I see. Right. Mm-hmm. So you need to have, you need to have at least eight and a half thousand to get a, to, you need you need a salary, a proven salary for the last one to two years of eight and a half thousand per month to get a five hundred thousand dollar house with a hundred thousand down. Yeah. Okay. So I think that a lot of these salaries are for people in their twenties and early thirties. Those people probably most of those people aren't in the market for a house right. in Palo Alto or, or or San Francisco. Yeah. They kind of they can't afford it until those options come through. No, but it's like it's like you're saying, like to get a house, like. You just need to be so rich. It's just, it's like ridiculous. Well, like, again, how are there so many people around here with freaking houses? I don't get it. I think I think a couple of things. I mean, again, you're talking about very very specific very rich places. areas. Yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, because you can get beautiful houses for two hundred thousand outside of maybe not two hundred, but three hundred. Yeah, I mean, you could go to Florida, or Alabama, or Georgia, or the southeast. You yeah, can go yeah. to you know, you're talking three or four hundred thousand dollars, and you can get these nice big. Five bedroom. You, you're saying that you can't get anything in Pasadena for unless for less than like one and a half million, right? Well, okay, for our family, I have a family of five. Right. Okay. For you and Georgie, you know, okay, well, let's you guys three bed, for you, guys, you, you guys might need three bedroom, which is we need a five bedroom. There's a big jump okay. in terms of the market for three bedroom so for five, market for five. So bedroom. let's say five bedroom, right? So you need to spend one and a half million, right? This, I mean, for five hundred thousand, it's it's um, the mortgage is two and a half, so two and a half to three. So you're going to be that times by three. Your mortgage is going to be like seven and a half to ten thousand, <laughs> right? Well, and you've got to, and you've got to have what is it? You've got to have like three hundred thousand down. Yeah, the, the the down payment is the killer, right? <laughs> okay. Well, even if we didn't go for five bedroom, which sounds like that would probably be you'd be pushing two million there. So maybe a four bedroom. Yeah, the girls would probably still need to share a room, or either I wouldn't have an office at home or something. That's- this is crazy. But yeah, why don't crazy. you just move out of like move out of Pasadena? Why do you have to be so stuck on having you know being here? Why are you living here and not in uh, Cerritos or well? I mean, even just outside, else. like five miles outside, for example, because it sucks. It sucks. Even just like Altadena, just up the road. Yeah, kind of sucks. Yeah. I mean, okay, okay. I don't want to say it sucks. It's okay. Yeah. It's nothing like living right where we live. You know, you live here. You it's, tell me. It's nice to be in the middle of it. You tell yeah. me, right? Nice I mean, is it? 
It's like in, uh, I don't know. People it, I don't know. think it would make a huge amount of difference. Let's say, for example, it, we were just up the road and, that, you know, we're within cycling distance or five minutes drive. Yeah, because you, you, you ride the bike all the time. So. <laughs> no. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, the, you like, should talk the, theory the point again. I'm trying to make is like, I don't understand how there are so many people around this area earning so much dosh that they've all got these freaking houses. Um, How's that possible? Okay, I think Pasadena is an old money area, meaning the right. families had money, yeah. meaning that people have inherited homes, meaning people, and I think they've grant. I think that property taxes are grandfathered in to certain oh, degree. Really? So people, so people who bought their houses in 1985 or 1975, and I'm not sure where it, where it happened, but those people who have these houses that would sell for three, four, five million dollars aren't paying the kind of property taxes on on them if they bought those houses now. But it's still, I mean, if you look at, yeah, I mean, I agree with you, yeah. Which allows them to stay. And, and then a lot of these people. It was just easier as well, though, like 20, 30, 40 years ago. Because these, like George's parents, the down payment on their house was $500, right? Mm-hmm. When they got their house like 30 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like a $500 down. I mean, that, you know, $500 is not worth $100,000 today, is it? You, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's a much easier down payment to get. You know, that's more like a $10,000 down payment or something. Not even that. Yeah. So I don't know what, like, it's just stacked against us. Like, yeah. The thing is, is that, yeah, if you want to, if you want to live in a nice house in Pasadena, you better bring some cash to the table. (laughs) That's just the bottom line. But but the thing is, there's no way that cat, this is another thing that I've been discussing with Georgia. Or in New York or San Francisco or DC or any other place where everybody else wants to live. Okay. So this is something I've been discussing with Georgie. I don't even think it's possible to do this with a regular day job like like the only way you could do it is through being an entrepreneur and having some kind of successful business like what else is going to bring that much cash to you like if you if you work just looking at these salaries here okay so you know the the average being one hundred twenty eight thousand dollars. Now they can they can like, do it you, they can't buy a, a home no. in pasadena no right no maybe there's two of them if there's, yeah, if there's two of two them. Two of them they could if they worked for years and saved. They've got to save. They're going to have to save for four years to get the 300000 down in the first place. But that's two people making $125,000, $130,000 a year and saving a lot of their cash, living living slim. But here's the thing. I mean, like I said, these people, well, that, well I guess there's two, um, two separate stories is the whole options and compensation. But you're just talking pure compensation, living in places like Pasadena. Yeah, you got to make more money than that. Yeah, so basically the only hope that you've got is through uber options because mm-hmm. e- even even if you are doing really well as a contractor you're never going to put away 300 grand in the next five years especially not if you're going to invest it in rob walling right <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying you saying rob rolling isn't going to bring me return <laughs> um but uh no I'm, I'm just saying that like we're going to have to do something entrepreneurially but- i don't know you know um because if you crank out the cash consulting which is kind of funny. My 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 one of my best buddies uh, since growing up, uh, Mitchell. Um, he uh, he's a stuntman. I've mentioned him a few times, yeah. right? And uh, he's always like, "Why don't you just?" He's been saying this for fifteen years. He's like, "Why don't you just consult and just crank out some cash? Like, quit screwing around with all this, like, you know, this trading and startups. It's just just crank the cash out." And, uh, you know, I'm if you've fine. been doing that for 15 years, you'd have, you'd have like a, a million save kind of thing. Uh, probably more than that. You know, you could crank out a lot of cash if that was your goal. Right. If your goal was to, to crank out cash, it wasn't just to like consult and just get enough to get by. But, they're out, you know, just really try to build up. You could you could make a lot of money and save. So and that's kind of more what I'm doing now. But as I've, I've as I've explained, it's it's also because of where I am in life with kids and 
right, everything. Right. But um, one thing I noticed about saving, I was thinking about this. You could almost do like a uh, like a, an app around this, which is something that helps you focus on how much you're saving. Kind of like you know how like sometimes they'll have like these apps where it tracks how you're getting in shape with all these other people, like these weight loss apps. Yeah. Well, I'm finding the saving money thing to be addictive. Oh, really? Like watching the number go up every month. Oh, nice. Must well, be nice. Well, yeah. I mean, well, the first was digging out of the hole because we had a $70,000 debt hole. Yeah. Which was brutal, right? That was just brutal. And and first paying it off, it's just like, you're like, okay, I guess we're just going to start digging ourselves out of this hole. And then you're like, all right, so we paid off 4000 Now we have 66000 to go. <laughs> and it's 63 and 61 And then yeah. it seems like you've been digging forever and then you're only at like 58 And you're like, this is... We're never going to get this. But eventually, as it starts really starting to come, wow, we're going to get under 30. We're getting under 20. We're under 10. You know, it's like the next month will be at zero. Right? And watching that is exciting. Like, I, I always want to check in because Sandy has a little spreadsheet. Oh, next month you're going to be at zero. We're, I think we're like at 2,000. No, are, are you going to, um, do you have a little chart going on? Like a little? No, I don't have a chart, but Sandy has a little spreadsheet. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm just watching. So it had like a list of all the, um, you know, all the debt, like it was, you know, Bank of America or Chase or whatever, that's, the credit card awesome. or whatever. And you just saw that was 4,000, this was 7,003, and they just get them knocked out. Boom, boom, boom. And they're all gone. There's like two, there was only two left, you know, and I'm like, oh, let's knock that one out. Yeah. But it's like addictive, right? It's like, a, like, you know, they talk about like badges and achievements, but this is real. Yeah. Right? Like this Game is theory. like real financial freedom. and Gamification of, of your debt. <laughs> yeah. And, but debt I, gamification. But then... And, and, and then, but then it also plays into the building up, right? Like, oh, you know, we have 3,000 saved or 5,000, 10,000. You know, it just starts building and you're just like, and just like, and it's like, I don't want to spend any money. <laughs> like, I just want to build the cash reserves, you know? I mean, especially when you're used to being in debt and, you know, you know it's like we're at the bookstore and it wasn't six months ago or three months ago and I'd want to go buy a book and Sandy'd be like, I don't know, maybe you should wait till next month. We're, 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 we're kind of close this month. And I was like, I can go buy 10 books, no problem. <laughs> but yeah, I still feel guilty about it. No, but you've got to celebrate it a little bit. Come on. But I still feel very hesitant to spend money. Like, I don't want to buy, but like, wow, that's $30. That book's 30 bucks. I don't know. Maybe I'll wait till next month. <laughs> wow. But, um, you know, I was talking about that too with, uh, with um, the kids. So, like, we, as I've talked before, sometimes we'll, like, um, incentivize the kids um, with cash. So it'd be like, you know, if, if I did this with Colby, I started this when he was in first grade with uh, his sight words right. and using cash as an incentive. And, and, and it worked great. In fact, you know, um, Freakonomics, uh, Stephen Levitt, who's the economist, he wrote Freakonomics and does a Freakonomics podcast with um, his co-host Stephen J. Dubner. They, they talk about this a lot. He's like, yeah, I do it all the time. <laughs> He's like, it works great. He's like paying your kids for performance. It's huge. And so along those lines, I was telling Sandy, you know, like you – we don't want to make it too difficult. Like she was saying, I guess she was going to like take money away. She's like, well, Colby, I think Izzy did something like she, she did something. She broke something. She's like, well, I'm going to make her pay for that. And I was like, okay, that's, I, I wouldn't mind, but don't take it all away. Cause it's going to feel like that debt hole. Like you're so far behind that you don't even want to try anymore. Right. Like I, you just got to remember that it gets exciting to accumulate something when you already have accumulated stuff. Yeah. It gets more and more excited. You know, it's exciting. You know, it's like, it's like you'll see people who are more interested in talking about money when they've made a lot of money. When people don't have money, they don't like talking about money. It's just too painful, right? Like, I didn't want to, I didn't want to think about money. I didn't want to think about it because it was just too painful, you know? Well, there you go. So, um, 
So I got I got a, I got a few interesting things. Yeah, go on. Warp drive. Did you read that article in Time Magazine? Uh, what, what's the title? You didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll see if I can find it, but I'll put a link up to it. But essentially, the the deal is is that at the, um, I think it's the Advanced Propulsion Lab at Johnson Space Center, they're working on the possibility of, of a warp drive. Oh, oh, is this the one where they kind of mathematically said warp drives are going to be a lot cheaper than they thought they were going to be? Yeah, so the the... the Initially, a guy in 1994, it was called like the Abukir metric or something. Some guy wrote some theoretical physics saying, if you contracted space in front of the spacecraft and expanded it behind it, you could create this effect that would be like equivalent of a warp drive, right? However, yeah. However, it would require the amount of energy equivalent to like 300 of the size of Jupiter or something. You know? yeah. I mean, it was just like, okay, well then like, you know, they always do that. Like you'll see something on some, you see this all the time with like, you know, Michio Kaku or you'll have something on the science channel. Like, well, it's all possible. If we had all the power at our galaxy, we could create a wormhole. It's like, why are we having this conversation? Is this, it's stupid. Well, they, they, the work they were doing at the, at the, at this advanced propulsion lab, they said, actually, it turns out, we could do something that would be the size of, rather than this ship or whatever that creates this effect being the size of Jupiter, it could be the size of uh, of the Voyager spacecraft, yeah. 1,600 pounds. 1600 pounds. Yeah. Like, now you're talking. Okay, so it's possible. <laughs> well, you know, maybe, maybe not, but it's like they're, they're actually, it's actually possible enough that they're willing to devote, they're actually running real experiments. That's nuts. Which is really cool. Yeah. And uh, so the idea that you could... You know, you could get to, um, say, Alpha Centauri or something in a matter of weeks as opposed to, you know, 1,000 years or whatever it would be. 77,000 years or whatever. <laughs> even the Voyager takes it. Or I don't know what it is. It's just incredible amounts of time. That's a, that is so cool. Isn't that, amazing? Um, isn't, that, isn't that awesome? I mean, it's like just the idea that it might be... Is that the one? So basically, it, the ship's shaped like a cone and then it has like a big round thing around it. And it's warping space in front of it and pushing space behind it. Is that the you one? know actually what they were talking about was uh, the initial was something that was kind of a round, um, like a ring, around like a ring thing? around a cone. Oh no, it actually wasn't the cone; it's just this ring thing. Oh, okay, yeah. You know, and I was like, you know what that looks like? It, it looked like I was just watching like the it wasn't the first; it was the second episode of uh, the Star Wars where um, Obi Wan Kenobi is is chasing the the um, <laughs> the uh, the bounty hunter. And he, he go, it comes out of warp and he has this like round thing that's attached. It's kind of like a ring. And then he disengages from it and then goes in regular drive to go and down to the yeah. actual planet. I'm like, that's exactly what they were talking about. It would be like this ring thing and you would use normal propulsion until you got like away from the planet. And then you'd get, you'd get this ring thing on and then you would just do your, do your warp thing. That's nuts. <laughs> and I was like, that looks awfully familiar. That is nuts. Isn't that really cool? Did you see, um, I, I don't have an article specifically to uh, point to, but just the concept with the um, Hadron Collider, that they basically think they've created some new kind of matter. You know, I saw the link. I didn't read it. What's the story? Uh, color glass condensate. Mm-hmm. New state of matter that may have been created by the Large Hadron Collider. Cool. And it's just, it, it, it's, that's, that's as much as I got with that. But I thought you may have read it, so I thought we could have a discussion about it. But probably not. Well, you, know, but, you know, the thing about all this stuff, which is interesting, is that we, we always like to think that we pretty much know, not that we know everything, but we know pretty close to everything we need to know about physics and stuff so that we kind of know how the things really work. Yeah. But we kind of don't. We keep finding like, well, actually, 
this might be possible. Oh, actually, that might be possible. Electric cars will never be possible. <laughs> well, oops, you know, oops, oops you know, things. I mean, I, you just these things happen. And it's really cool. And you know, I think I was thinking about the other day. They were talking about. I, I remember what I was was talking about the size of the universe. You know, because there's trillions of galaxies and hundreds of trillions of galaxies and hundreds of billions of stars per galaxy and things. And they're saying that like, if there are other civilizations out there, they could be not just like a thousand or ten thousand years more advanced than us, or a hundred thousand years. They could be. A million years more advanced. Jeez. You know, I'd like you watch because I was, I was watching um, Sandy and I were watching the uh, the more, most recent Star Trek movie, the J.J. Abrams movie, and it was they had like the Klingons and the Romulans and the Vulcans and the and the uh, not the Americans, <laughs> the humans. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and the humans were so far behind. No, but they're all basically the same. Oh, it's right? all yeah. relative. I mean, it's all relative. I mean, maybe the Vulcans are a little smarter or whatever, but you know, bottom line is the the the. They're all they're relatively the same technology. In that particular episode, though, the Romulans came back from 100 years in the future or something, and so they were more advanced technology just because of that. But generally speaking, it's all the same. But just imagine, let's just say for sake of argument, that the warp drive thing works out. We figure something out over the next 100 years. We, we like we get some really clever engineering, and like we can do this thing. Yeah. And so two, three hundred years from now, we got warp drive. We're whipping around between some of the closest stars, getting around the solar system. We're on Mars. We're doing stuff on some of the, the moons on uh, Venus and Jupiter. But there could still be an alien race or alien races out there that are a million years more advanced. And they still look at us like we're a joke. Yeah. It's yeah. not like Star Wars or Star Trek, right? They're all kind of the same. Well, no, you know, actually, well, we're still like, hey, I think I saw something out there. And like, ah, that's BS. There's no, you know, No, but they, they have um, in Star Trek. They have explored that. Like, you know, in the next generation, they had the one where they have like 200 or 300 episodes. Oh, OK. Like that. That's something they've explored a few times where that it civilizations are just so evolved, like that they meet that we're just like a nap. On, that on, they don't on, really on the camels behind <laughs> right right yeah. so i saw this funny thing it was hilarious i don't I, I don't know i can't remember where it was from but i'll see if i put a link to it but i just for just for sake of like this science fiction aspect of it so yeah. this apparently the story goes that this guy who's this this uh you know researching ufo stuff or whatever says says that like the from two different sources within the you know the defense or department or whatever said that and right during um when it was late 80s or whenever when reagan was office that they received some signals for going on for weeks from ganymede which is a uh, one of the moons of um i think it's jupiter or saturn whatever one of those ones right <laughs> so ganymede and so it's they're getting this and they're like they're like this is a legit signal so they convened this 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 conference they bring in some of the you know people from reagan's senior staff and they're like what, what do we do right this is like we're receiving we're receiving this consistent signal and it's coming from ganymede and so they go all right well let's respond with the simplest code that we can so that, that they're most likely to understand so they respond with a message in morse code that says we received your message but we don't understand <laughs> which is about right like so what else are you gonna say right like okay yeah okay so so then but they don't they hear but then the, the signal almost instantaneously stops and they don't hear anything for days go by and a weeks go by and they don't hear anything and then they get a response back in morse code and the message is we weren't talking to you <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. That was it. The only thing we were talking to you. <laughs> now, this this didn't really happen, right? Yeah, I'm just saying that this is some guy who researched this stuff. Reported they talked to two 
anonymous sources. Oh, so, so, say, so they say that they say that it's the kind of thing that maybe take it for what you want. I mean, yeah. I, but I'm, for our purposes, let's just talk about it in terms of like a, as a story, <laughs> yeah. a science fiction. That's a great story. That makes sense. That's yeah. hilarious. That's funny. I love that. Um, we were talking to you. The adults are trying to talk kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Relax. <laughs> that was uh, that was great. So, um, yeah. Oh, you know, speaking of the sort of like um, things, you know, advanced future stuff. So I've been. Over the last couple of weeks, actually, this past week, while I was just, you know, sometimes when I'm cranking on on uh, code, I'll, I'll um, you listen to a lot videos. of stuff in the background. I right? listen to a lot of podcasts. Like I went on a Freakonomics um, thing where I listen to almost every Freakonomics episode, like a hundred episodes, nice. in like two weeks. <laughs> Which I mean, they're good. You know, do you re- do you remember stuff? That- I remember a lot of it. I remember the essential, most of the essential stuff. I think. Um, but I was listening, I, I, I listened to all the talks from, I think all the talks, or most of the talks from the Singularity Summit from last year, like Ray Kurzweil, Peter Thiel, um, uh, uh, Stephen Wolfram, the founder of, uh, you know, Wolfram Research, Mathematica, um, all these people. So what was really interesting, though, is Ray Kurzweil stuff, you know, I mean, I've, I've, I've obviously, I've read a couple of his books over the years, and um, he, he says some really interesting things, but, you know, this idea of, like, these 3D printers, so, like, if you look at 3D printers, like, now, like, you know, like, MakerBot and, and their, what's that, the RepRat or whatever, and, and, and even, like, the more advanced. Um, they're still incredibly basic because you're just, you're just putting in the raw material, which is, like, plastic or whatever it is, and it kind of melts it and puts the little dots. But it could, there's room for so much expansion on that. Like, it could be incredible. Yeah, like the MakerBot is like a thousand or I think it's eleven hundred bucks or something. Yeah. It's like, but it's pretty cool and it'd be pretty. It'd be a pretty fun thing to have, especially with kids. Yeah. You oh know? yeah. Yeah. But um, so Kurzweil was talking about how that it's following the same doubling that like Moore's law did in terms of like their degree of uh, precision. Oh really? Yeah, and it's it's along the same curve. So he does a lot of that like his predictions based on these these fundamental things just doubling in, in, you know, doubling in power or efficiency or, ha- or, ha- or having in, in price. So he's lo- say, looked at stuff in the past and he's saying, right. He's like, it's falling right along this curve. And he's yeah. been predicting, since 1980, he's been predicting this stuff with like computers will be doing this and we'll have this much power. This is how much it will cost. So this is how much memory will be in it. So, you know, it's just right on. Oh, and, really? Oh, so yeah. so oh, he yeah. said back in 1980, what state we'd be in today? Yeah, he's been right on. He has some curves. I mean, he, he, he has some, you go, he's got a couple of books. You can go check out the books. I mean, he's, That's he's, he's been right on with all this stuff. I mean, you know, he has a lot of, he has some predictions about when artificial, true artificial intelligence will show up, which he says is going to be in uh, 2029, things like that. I mean, you, there's, there's, there's arguments one way or the other, but what's interesting though, is talking about the uh, 3D printers, you know, those getting the point to like the nanoscale. He's like, he's like, we're about at, at 3D printers right now where we were in around 1980 with like, um, micro, um, microprocessor, um, in terms of microprocessors in terms of how fine grain they are. And I, I saw, and I just happened to look on Wired, and they had, and there was an article called "New Year's, Next Year's 3D Printers Promise Big Things, Really Big Things." And it's talking about how big some of the stuff come, can come out of some of, out of these 3D printers. One yeah. was like the frame for a bicycle, hmm. and they're actually some of the stuff is like uh, stainless steel and titanium is actually what's the material that's coming out. Wow! Right, and like uh, medical grade stuff. And uh, w- one of the uh, companies called Object has a new printer has 16 micron accuracy. And it uses 14 materials in one print job. And so the concept laser, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it says concept, la- and concept lasers and other ones making medical grade products after stainless steel and pure titanium. That's what they're doing right now in 2012. So the idea that 
these three printers. So if they can do 14 materials, so you say, well, how could they say print something more advanced than like this little porcelain horse or something, right? Yeah. Like that's the kind of stuff you look at. Like, this, but that's like one material, and it's not that it's it, it's the not that fine grain. But if you get down to like if it doubles every year or every 18 months in terms of the degree, I mean, of so basically you'll be able to print circuit boards, you know, print whatever. Yeah, maybe, you know. I mean, yeah, if you get down to like that kind of that kind of scale, then and you can, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I don't know enough about material science to say what the limits are, but it sounds pretty impressive. I was just thinking that it'd be, it would be a good plot for a movie that someone came from the future, mm-hmm. right? The time travel was invented and they found a way to come back and then they were like, I'm, I'm, my name's Ray Kurzweil. I predict that what's going to happen in the future is that by this time we're going to have this, by this time we're going to have this. And they knew it all because they were from the future. Well, that was what happened in in, in uh, Looper, right? Yeah. The guy's like, so uh, you want to go to France, huh? And the guy's like, yeah, yeah. He's like, go to China. And the guy's like, oh, I'm going to go to France. He's like, I'm from the future. Go to China. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I am from the future. Go to China. <laughs> so great. Nice. That guy, Jeff Daniels, who plays that character, he's such a good actor. He did mm. such a perfect job of that. Yeah, so... um. Yeah, it's pretty pretty amazing stuff when you when you when you look look at that. I mean, you know what's kind of interesting is there was an article. Yeah, I wish I had all these articles in front. You'd of be me. able to you'd be able to print like money that was it was indistinguishable from real money. Some point that's good. That's going to happen. So they're going to have to rethink money. Well, it's going to have to work on some kind of Bitcoin thing where like these encryption hash. Stuff it's o- it's, like it's only through software that money will be valid in the future. If you think about it, mm-hmm. if you if you can print anything, in fact, what what does money even mean? If you can print anything, the only thing that means anything is the is the material that you feed the printers with. Everything else is is irrelevant. Well, well, yeah. I mean, all, I mean, it's all. I mean, all of our money is based off of debt. It's Let's actually real debt. It's not even take dirt, yeah, right? Okay. Dirt is the raw material that you feed into a printer, and it rearranges the atoms and turns it into whatever. Mm-hmm. That then all of society's problems are cured. All our problems are cured. Yeah. Stuff. No, I don't. I don't like, think. I don't think our problems are cured. Money becomes meaningless then. Like, what's the point in money? Because you can make money, or because you can make anything. You can make anything. What do you need money for anymore? Like, you you just need dirt. You need dirt to put into your printer. Well, you know, I don't know. I, I, let's take one step back from that. <laughs> but let's think about like, you know, one, one thing they've talked about is how they. I mean, if, if it's, it's been in some in the press a little bit, but that. You know, one thing we worry a lot about in the U.S. is the jobs being outsourced to cheaper labor overseas, which definitely has happened, right? A manufacturing base is eroded greatly because of that. But I think what I've read recently is that a huge percentage of, of the stuff that's actually being out, sort of like, um, not outsourced, but the jobs are just being removed because they're being automated. Yeah. So and what happens when you just don't need a lot of the jobs that you needed and there aren't jobs that well, need to be done. Like, it's just like people at a certain point, people just don't care about they, there's, they, there's, they just don't have enough wants to want other things. Well, I was going to say, I mean, let's take this to its logical conclusion, right? You, you can put dirt in a printer or just raw material and, and it can change the atoms and put out anything. What, what, what then is the primary motivation for life itself? I mean, because right now, so much of our motivation is around, I don't know, building a career. But what kind of careers would you have 
if, in that kind of society. Like, well, I mean, a lot of a lot of our careers right now are built around things that are more um, um, they're they're IP, they're intellectual in in nature, right? They're ideas, movies, books, software. You know, I mean, how much how much I mean, a lot of stuff just hasn't has hasn't have anything to do I with get, physical. I guess it depends on whether things. it really does what they say it can do, because you you know the the ultimate kind of nano extension of this, where the nano direction is. That basically, scale. yeah, is that you can take the raw material and it can change the atoms. It, it could print a tomato, for example. You know, it could print, it could print food. It could print perfect food, just like it could print metal because it mm-hmm. just rearranges the atoms. Once you're at that level, what, yeah, what, I don't what, know if you, I wonder what, about that. So I don't know. I mean, so then then you're talking about the not only material science, but it's like a chem, like the chemistry of it. You know, so there's a certain amount of chemistry that requires energy, like. I, I don't know if it's just a matter of rearranging. You can just rearranging atoms that doesn't cost doesn't it doesn't cost a lot of energy to to make that stuff happen. So you're thinking like you know it's it's going to take two nuclear power plants to print a tomato. Yeah, I mean, I, I you know maybe I wouldn't <laughs> go that far, but I, I don't. I, first of all, even if they could do that, and I'm not saying like in ten years, but like thirty years or something, they, they say we're going to print. Um, biological structures i mean they might be able to print i don't know why i mean i don't know why they wouldn't be able to i mean already you know we're rebuilding people's throats by by creating a plastic structure of the well we're regrowing it yeah we're seeding it they're creating like biodegradable scaffolding and they're seeding with like stem cells and things like that so we're depending on sort of nature to do its thing like yeah. we still haven't figured out how to kind of build these incredibly sophisticated okay. yeah, yeah. It's, it's something structures. Yeah. So I don't know if, if, if that kind of thing would be, I don't, I, I don't, even if you could do it, it probably would be, it'd be easier, more efficient, cheaper to let nature just kind of set nature up to just kind of do its thing. Like just creating cells that just kind of just like more the synthetic biology. I mean, approach that so the bottom be, up versus top down creation. That would be the things. base technology for trans, a transporter, right? Right. Like, basically, you print yourself at the other end. And then you'd kill yourself here. But what happens if, like, the thing... You you, you, you print yourself at the other end, but you haven't quite... Either the, the connection's lost. We're like, we lost you, but we're going to have to kill you. You're like, why well, don't kill us? <laughs> but then is that really you? But then, so, you're there's you on Ganymede. Yeah. <laughs> and there's you here. So, you're not... That, obviously, not the same person. But we're going to we're gonna kill you because there's something that's close enough to you over there. So, you got to be killed. <laughs> Yeah, there's, there was a movie about that, wasn't there? Was there? Uh, yeah, John John Carter. That's what happens in John Carter. Oh, really? Yeah. He, it's His body stays on Earth, but also another version of him gets printed up. Well, not printed, but created on the other end. Yeah. It's effectively the same thing. Yeah. It's funny because I have John Carter playing continuously in the car. You yeah. have the DVD and the kids watch it. But since I haven't seen it, I don't really understand what's going on. I just hear. Yeah. I just know that they keep calling him Virginia. Well, I'm, All the aliens I guess I'm ashamed to say I watched it. <laughs> yeah, the aliens. The only thing I know is the aliens keep calling him Virginia because he said it's John Carter from Virginia. Yeah, uh, that's kind of funny. <laughs> like I'm not Virginia. <laughs> uh, okay, so what else do we got here? Um. Oh, w- oh, one more thing on the on the whole future talk. So, Michio Kaku was giving this talk. I think it was it was actually from 2007, and he was talking about the world in 30 years from now, mm. from then. He was talking about cell phones. Is your cell phone will have video and music and the internet on it? And it showed this like cell phone, like like the old kind of style 
cell phones from like 2007, you know, the, with the real buttons and stuff. Yeah. And then I had these little fold out panels, like the video of was flip out to the left and the, <laughs> and the music was a panel flipped out of the right. And like, he was absolutely right about technology, but boy, was he off of the design. Yeah. <laughs> like that is the ugliest phone I've ever seen in my life. But it's funny. I mean, he was right on because then like, what, so two years later, was it like 2009, the iPhone came out or something? Yeah. Maybe not even, not even, right? But you can't, you can't in, even envision what isn't, you know? Like, you could only base on what is, so that's why they did that. Well, you know, I bet you could. So, if you had a bunch of sort of physicists talking from first principles, so, so Michio Kaku is, is saying, okay, let's just, and the same stuff that Ray Carswell does, we're looking first principles, what's possible in terms of phys- the physics of things, you know, what isn't ruled out by physics, and then let's look at, like, you know, um, curves of, like, growth, like things getting you know, more powerful and cheaper and stuff. Okay, where are we? But if then if you said, okay, this is, we'll have, we'll could be combining the, all these things, all of these things together, video and music and all your phone. And you took designers, it's like, all right, design something like that. Yeah. They might've come up with something close to the iPhone because they did like two years later, right? But it's like, you know, the science, the physicist or whoever, draw, they just draw some pictures or they get some guy to just draw some silly thing. Yeah. But you know, like a bit of a tangent, like when the iPhone was marketed, they didn't really market it as anything other than a phone that which i thought was interesting like they said it's a phone you know but it does this other stuff and mm-hmm. um you'd think that they would have said oh it's a video player you know it's mm-hmm. it's a this it's a that it's a this why didn't they do that big kind of sell on it why why was it more like this is your phone did you watch the uh the big video unveiling of it that yeah. Steve Jobs did did you, you did it you did yeah I, I don't know. I mean, I think I remember looking back on sort of like snippets of it. like, And I think they talked about this thing. Was it just like it would be too confusing to say that this thing was was everything? Like basically, what, let, let's put it this way. They didn't say, this is your new personal computer that's going to go in your pocket. You know, mm-hmm. now people would probably go, I don't really want a new personal computer to go in my pocket. I right. just want a phone. Well, because then people are they're comparing it about com- they're going to compare it to what their computer does. Yeah. yeah. Like uh, the keyboard's too small. I can't do it. Like, how am I going to work on Microsoft Excel and, and this little thing? That's so stupid. so, so it, they position it as a phone with benefits rather than a computer that's not as Limitations. Good as, limitations, yeah. Oh, that's Maybe. I mean, I, I guess, you know, just let's, let's frame it. This is a phone, primarily. Yeah. This is your phone. Oh, and guess what all the awesome stuff you can do? And they do like, oh, and you can do this. Oh, and you can, you know, Steve, you, you know how you would always like to do that. And the iPad is the same, right? They just didn't, they, they don't compare that to computers. Yeah, that's interesting. Because it really isn't a computer in the sense of the way we use things. I mean, it may be a computer in internally that's functionally, what, but in terms of functionality, in terms of what people use it for, they're not, they're using it for a different set of things than what people think in their mind. A computer does X. Well, now computer does everything now. Was there, I, I don't know if there's a quote, but it seems like the, I, I read somewhere where there was a quote about Steve Jobs saying, you know, my job is to sell people things that they don't know they want. Yeah. And he has done such a good job of that. Well, he did a good job of that. I, he did a good job. I mean, that's it. I mean, you have your iPad. You didn't know you want it. Now you watch TV in bed with it. Like mm-hmm. you never thought that was going to happen. Yeah. You, well, predict, I mean, you said that's never going to happen. But now you really want it and you love it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't say it was never going to happen. I said, I don't, I'm not, I don't know if I see myself doing yeah, that. I doubt it. I wasn't yeah. quite that strong. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be doing it. But, you know, you're right. I do do that some of the time. It's, it's, I mean, I would prefer to watch stuff on the TV, as I mentioned before. It's just, as I mentioned, like, because I have like, we have like three remotes to get the Roku on and just 
turn the TV to the right thing is too much of a pain sometimes. <laughs> the iPad's slightly more convenient. Talking about remotes, did you get your um, time capsule yet so that you just like get a ba- an automated backup Not of yet, your Mac? No. no. Oh, dude, you just you just literally just turn your computer on and it backs up the whole thing. Look at this. Last backed up 6:54 p.m. You said time capsule? Yeah. Well, basically, how much is that? It's the the Airport Express is 175 bucks for the for the wireless box, which, by the way, is about twice as fast as your existing wireless box. So your internet gets better, and then you just plug in a hard drive, which costs 100 bucks. So the whole thing would be about 250. Yeah. See, I'm not running out the door to spend 250 on that now. It's <laughs> not that. But you you want to get a backup of your computer, don't you? Do you remember what happened last time? Uh, yeah, I'm just not really willing to spend $250 on that right well, now. Okay. I'd rather just, I'd rather drag and drop the most important files and stuff on a Dropbox. But that hurt you last time. Okay, look, you can spend 100 on a on a, on a drive. In fact, you can spend less than 100 You can mm-hmm. spend even 70 mm-hmm. on a drive and just take a backup. Right. Like, this is this is the really nice way. But right. why, why wouldn't you want that? It's like your whole livelihood is on that. Like computer. I said, I mean, because I, I, the most, this, most of the stuff that I care about is in a very limited, it's like in a one directory of code. Most of the things that I have that are really valuable is in code. Everything else is like in Gmail. Contacts oh. and emails and documents. I mean, what do I have on my hard drive other than code that's of, and, and, some, and some photos? Yeah, but, kids. okay, but look, but, if, you, if you lose your computer, right? Okay, this is, this is going to be a funny discussion. You lose your computer, how much, how much setup time is it going to take you to set everything up? No, I get it. I, 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 I get it. It's what actually going to cost you more than 250. Yeah, I just... I'm just not sure I'm in the mood to spend $250 on that right now. <laughs> just not sure I want to spend, I just not, I don't know. It, it's not going to, it's not costing you. It, think there's got to be a it's way. It's going to save you. In fact, it's going to make you an extra I, I mean, I could use like, back, there's got to be a less expensive way to do that. But you don't want to have to think about backups. You just want to turn your computer on and it's automatically backed up. That's what this does. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> That's <laughs> just, hilarious. Just not feeling it. I'm just not feeling it. Spending right. much money on it right now. Okay. So what? Are, you got any? Um, got anything? Uh, well, we had that interesting email from um, from Brennan. Brennan a pl- planoscope or something? yeah, who was um talking about inve- He really liked our discussion about investing in yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, and he he had. Send us a, uh, an email and um, hey, help me out here. I'm stumbling. Yeah, well, you, 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 you're the one who uh, you wrote a big response to it. Uh, basically, he wrote a great blog post about how he's making five figures a month off bootstrap products. Okay, the bottom. Did you not read his article? Once again, you didn't read the article. <laughs> you don't read it. What do you read? Even I'm just too busy working. I work too. I just don't think you re- you don't like to read, do you? I, I actually think it's the other way. I, I, I don't know. You, I don't understand how you ever get any work done. I read a ton. I mean, I work a ton, but then I read a ton too. Well, at night, what do you do at night? Um, you don't read. Do you watch TV? Watch TV, maybe. I watch Program, TV too, but do I some work. Yeah, I don't know. I read a ton, so all right. But um, anyway, the article he was talking about, you know, which is the same stuff we talked about with the 37 Signals is talked about, Amy Hoy is talked about, which is that, you know, you do your SaaS product and then the side side effect of having a SaaS product, you learn stuff and then you can teach other stuff by selling an info product and how to do that. And then maybe you can teach a course on it. It's like you know. creating a whole coherent uh, marketing strategy. He also created a book and a workshop. So he's got a SaaS product, a workshop and a book. Which, and everything kind of integrates together and cross promotes everything else. And, and who else? Who else has been talking about that for the last five or seven years? Amy Hoy, yeah. 
37 signals probably since 2005. Yeah. Right. So I'm just saying this is not like new. It's, it's, it's cool that he did it. It's smart that he did it, but I'm just saying that, you know, it's not necessarily going to be new to our audience, right? Like everybody, I guess Rob, Rob Rob Walling has done it, right? I mean, he, so pro, I probably shouldn't have brought it up. No, it's fine. He brought it up. I mean, you know, and uh, I mean, I think it's a he, he's he's well, basically in, in the email that Brennan sends to us, he says, you know, we sh- have we thought about writing a book and doing that same kind of thing for ourselves. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's kind of like advice. The thing is like, is it is it's like talking about, you know, is blogging good for your business? All right. You know, can you can you raise your profile and increase your um increase the uh, traffic to your site and by writing good blog posts. Yeah, we know that we can obviously can't if done right. And same thing, you can write a book, you can do workshops, but you know, you. So you bored of talking about that kind of stuff? Well, it's just not new, right? It's not like, I mean, I don't, I mean, it's like, what, what, what don't you know? What did, what did you not know about that? Yeah. Did you not know anything? Was there anything about that? That wasn't something that you had known, didn't know in 2009? No, there wasn't. Okay. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. I just like, you know, I think he's probably, I think it's a good idea. You know, it's, it's just like a lot of things that, um, um, that you should do for your business that are a good idea that people don't necessarily do. Yeah. Are also things that people pretty much know you should do, <laughs> you know, that they, that they don't always do. But anyway, um, I, what, what I did find interesting is that I guess what is interesting f- f- is that he doesn't have nearly the kind of name recognition of somebody like uh, oh, 37 Signals by any measure or even Amy Hoy or Rob Walling, mm-hmm. right? But he was still able to sell a book and he had like 500 people on an email list. That's nothing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that's pretty good. I mean, when I wrote that one blog post about the, you know the Google acquisition thing, I got like 2,200 people on an email list from that alone. Yeah. Which I never use for anything, just you know, as an aside. <laughs> but but just so I'm saying that it's it's not that hard to build an email list of 500 people. So if he can take 500 people and turn that into something else, leverage that for something else, that's pretty good. So that is interesting. Now talking about this kind of stuff, um, I think you said to me that we're going to have Rob Walling on sometime soon. Yeah, we should. Uh, I'd kind of loosely talked about having him on this week, but since we're doing it today, probably not this week. Maybe we'll do it next Monday or something. Okay. Yeah, we'll get him on. So also, what, Gabriel Weinberg from DuckDuckGo. Oh, is he? He's coming on again. I, I, he had pinged me about something, and I said, "Hey, you know, let's how about getting you on the show again?" He was what? What are we thinking it. about doing interviews in the future? In fact, what are we thinking about the whole show? Like, what's the direction of it? Well, I, I think we should do interviews. Yeah. As I've said, I think that not doing interviews hurts the show. I know you don't like to do them, but it makes the show. No, I'm happy. I'm happy to do. Them. No. Don't now on air. You're Mr. <laughs> on fire with it. You're like, you were fighting me. I don't want to do interviews. Why are we doing interviews? Thanks so much. Now. I, I don't like doing um, two shows a week. I, I wouldn't mind if we could swap out like what the discussion, sh- you know, every other discussion show with an interview or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I don't like two shows a week seems like over, you know, overdrive when we have so much other shit on our plate. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think we should do interviews. Yeah. I mean, I, I think it injects new ideas. And to our uh, into our show. I mean, it's like it's like we had um, you know, I've had the guys on about synthetic biology, or we had you no, know that was people. Good. I mean, it was just interesting. I mean, it's like it's it's a lot more. It 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 makes the conversation the the the, oh, the larger conversation, the macro conversation, more interesting because we know more about it, 
and our listeners know more about it, right? Would you consider doing interviews every other week? Yeah. So, so basically, we'll do a chat show one, one week, one weekend, and then an interview the next weekend, then chat show the next weekend. Because actually, I find that our chat shows tend to be better if we haven't spoken for a couple of weeks on air. Okay. Because then we have like so much catching up to do and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, I guess my only reasoning and my only hesitancy is that, you know, I have, and this is my own problem, is I have so much stuff to talk about. I have so many ideas. And I, I, sometimes I use the, the show as an outlet. Right. But, um, you know, I mean, like even today, like I didn't have time to prepare a lot of it because I had so much work. I had so much work to do. Then I didn't get to prepare it anyway. Yeah. But that's how I look for. I'm like, oh, I got to talk about this. I got to talk about this. I got to talk about this other stuff. You know, I don't know. Well, we could try it and see what, see what it goes like. I don't know. I'm just, I'm just throwing it out there. I, or you want, you want to go back to the two shows a week? I don't know. Maybe not. To, we'll see. But we should try, we should try and get some interviews in regardless. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think our listenership enjoys it. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, mean, I think they, they like it. I mean, yeah. you know, too much of anything gets boring after a while. If it's right. all interviews, if it's all discussion shows, I think, you know, yeah, mix it up. Yeah. I mean, okay. that, that's why I like doing interviews with, with different types of guests. You know, it's like, I don't want to always do like, Oh, another bootstrapped entrepreneur. It's like, you know, I've heard it. Well, why don't we fo- I've heard it, dude. Let, okay. okay. <laughs> you know? Well, let's try it. So, so this, this is what we're putting out this weekend. Next weekend, let's put out an interview. Let's set something up. Right. Okay. Weekend after, we'll do a chat. Weekend after, another interview. Yeah, you up for that? Yep, you heard it here first. All right, all right. Okay, so cool. we'll we'll try and find some interesting people. I've 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 marked some people down who I thought might be might be fun to talk to. Yeah, I mean, you know, I can't always get them, and sometimes I'll send emails to these people, and I just don't respond. Yeah. You know, but uh, we can try. So, um, have you got any other? I got a lot of stuff, but uh, you know, um, we'll talk a little update on. Uh, we'll talk about any, any info update. Oh, yeah. Well, we think that we found someone who can help us get experts. Well, so you're, you, you suggested on, la- on the last show the idea of hiring somebody to find experts for us, yeah. right? Because we, as I'm sure everyone remembers, we've talked uh, you know, a lot about how we were going to do it or I was going to do it and this and that. And what we just sort of discovered is that it's just, it doesn't work very well with coding, you know, because you, you just kind of, it's so, it's sort of like the opposite um, mental state to writing code, sending out writing code. It's like yeah. writing, sending a bunch of emails. Because then what happens is the emails get bounced, you get responses and you got to follow up. It's not like something you can do in batch mode very well, at least in the responses. And I find it very distracting. And um, Oh, no, totally. And it's also pretty time consuming. Not time consuming in that it takes that long to write an email or, or initially reach somebody, but it throws you off task. Yeah, it uses up a lot of mental CPU. Yeah, so you could easily go from having, being able to do four hours of work before lunch, doing like an hour and a half, because of all the emailing and crap that starts to happen. Keeping on top of it. Yeah, so I, I mean, I had a big discussion with my buddy Phil about this, because we, you know, I brought it up with him, and he was like, well, you know, I mean... Why don't you just do it yourself if it's, if it's, because I explained to him, I said, this is a valuable thing to have done. And so what we've, we're paying him on a per expert basis. Yeah. Right. Which is really good. And we're, I think we're paying him well. So it gives him incentive to go out and find experts, but we're not out of pocket if he's unsuccessful. Yeah. Right. And, you know, if, if he was able to get, you know, if it costs us ten thousand dollars, five thousand each to get you know a big chunk of experts, that would be worth it. 
if he goes out there and he's just entirely unsuccessful, then that tells us something like maybe it's just a little harder to get experts than we thought or something. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, it's with, with that, if we had a hundred experts on the site, then we could actually finally do a marketing push and tell people about it. Because already with, I mean, just with, a, with 12 experts, we've had 40 sessions mm-hmm. with no marketing whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, well, with the bare minimum of marketing, you know, through the, through the show or whatever. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I'd be interesting to see. I mean, well, I mean, I guess we'll we'll know, you know, after two or three weeks how difficult it is for him. Yeah. He seems like he's the right kind of guy, though, right? Yeah. So you worked with Matt at yeah. Company Fifty Two, yeah. And he was sort of what? What was his position there? Um, he was uh, Matt. Um, I guess ops operations. Like he was he was talking to clients and you know making sure clients were happy and uh, trying to get money out of clients he was on the social side of the business yeah, he was talking yeah, to people yeah. dealing with relationships dealing yeah, with real people yeah. <clears throat> communications so that's exactly the kind of person we need and also he understands technology mm-hmm. i mean he's not a developer himself but he knows the difference between a database and a scripting language you know or he yeah. knows that you know um, he knows basically what's going on and that's all you need to know i mean you don't need to be a coder to hire somebody who to find somebody who's an expert in uh, rails or something. You just need to know that rails is a framework or something, yeah. or something right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's the plan. Um, we're just, we're going to see what happens and uh, we'll uh, be able to report back. On so that. I thought it was a good idea. That was your idea. I got to give you credit. I thought it was a really good idea. I think well, we that just to- came from the whole investing in yourself discussion. Let's, mm-hmm. you know, if we had some money, why wouldn't we invest it in ourselves? Right. You know, and I, and you know, spend is like when you have when you start to have more money than time. So right. five thousand dollars, let's say, so let's say each of us were willing to put down five thousand dollars towards this. Yeah, I would not have been able to commit to that six months ago or a year ago. There's no way, mm-hmm. right? So it's a different discussion now. Well, that's not going to be five thousand dollars in like one session anyway. It's it's no, no. But I'm just saying, even drawn even, out over quite a period of time. I mean, a couple of months kind of thing. But even if even then, I mean, yeah. if you had said that to me, I, I would have said that there's no way that I would have gotten the okay from yeah. Sandy on that, right? Right. Yeah. Well, cause, well, because you're climbing out of debt, weren't you? Right. So there's no way. So it's it's something that's just now becoming possible. Yeah. Where I could say, okay, if this works out, then it'd be worth it, because I think it would pay for itself. I mean, ultimately, it'll pay for itself. Yeah. yeah. Um, or it should. It's not like I'm just spending it for nothing, but it's worth the risk at that point. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great. Well, I can't wait to see what happens. Yeah. So <clears throat> you want to do an update on um, on any on um, Catalyst? Catalyst? Yeah, yeah, go yeah. On, tell us. So let's see. So let's update. We had the last show. Uh, the last uh, session was on Tuesday, um, and we were let's see. What are we doing? We're trying to. We're working on functions. Yeah, you, and you returning you didn't get the point system in there yet. Yes. You were you were actually so frustrated on that day. You were like, "Oh my god, I'm behind on this. I'm behind on this. I didn't get the points done on this." I'm behind on five things. You were like in a you were actually in a pretty bad mood. Yeah, I don't think I've seen you in that that bad a mood. Yeah, I was pretty disappointed that it that I couldn't get it working. I I was working really hard, and then it was just under the gun, right? The last minute, just cranking, and then it just I don't know, just I yeah. couldn't. I don't know something with Mongo updating Mongo, you know, collections wasn't working or whatever. But it just was. It seemed like something stupid, and what I couldn't get to work. But in the point. meantime, the lessons went well. But the idea of the kids kind of doing the same one concept, but a different variants of it. Mm-hmm. That seemed to work very nicely. Yeah. So I, what I need to do though is, um, because one thing I was trying was I was having them do is write functions yeah. that return to value. But we're having a function return to value doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to a kid when they don't understand a function when you call a function. When I say like you know var y equals 
the square of x and x is 2. I, I think the function returns a value and assigns right. it to something else. You know, it, until you until they see a few different variations on that, they get what a function is supposed to do. It's supposed yeah. to return a value. Yeah, you need to sell it to them, like, in some way to get them interested in, like, why do I care? Well, like, anything. Like, why? why like, because when you say, well, this returns a value, they don't understand what returning a value is. Like, no. what, like you know, you've got to go from outside the function. Why am I using this thing? And then we go, okay, so this is how it returns a value. So when something calls it the function, it gets something from the function. Right. You've got to do Steve Jobs on them. You've got to sell them something that they don't know that they want. Right. Right. So I, I need to, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to change around some of the lessons that are building on that and do a lot of variations on functions and returning value and sending, you know, passing parameters and stuff like that. Well, I also think we should go back to basics a little bit and do a lot more, for example, on variables, like even just the most basic things, like have like three lessons about variables or something like that, just mm-hmm. to get to consolidate each of those concepts. Mm-hmm. You know? No, we do. Um, so what needs to happen is that's why the point system is a big deal. Yeah. And the belts, the belt system or level system yeah, is like a big belts, deal yeah. because it gives them motivation to do things that in some sense seem kind of um, uh, pointless. Like why am I care, care about this? I mean, they have a natural um, enthusiasm just being kids and just liking computers and wanting to, you know, do things, but there's, there's you can only feed off of that for so long in which point you like write write a function that does this or do this and they're like well why do i care and that's why i think ultimately not ultimately but in fairly short order you need to start working on individual projects Mm -hmm. i mean i think what you probably want to do is a combination of a personal project that they're working on and building up the point system and the levels so they they're, they're 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 gaining points and they're doing that and they could do that on their own at home too but then they have their own project, like we're talking about like a little adventure game. So you mean something. personal project where we say to them, what would you like to build? Something. Yeah. Yeah. So it just has, yeah, I think that's, I think because it's way more fun and there's actually a point to it. Like they need to learn how to write. They're like, why do you, I need to know what an if then. So if do you statement. think you could be a bit more adventurous than an adventure game? Like say, like just say, what actually would you like to build? No. No. Or you have to be limited about that because then they're going to start building stuff that's just way outside of it. And it's like, and I don't want to start, I want to build an entire website that is CSS and HTML and it's just, that's way, way too much. Okay. It's just totally, it's just totally distracting from the core problem of like what, what it is to write a program. Okay. You know, so you, you got to keep it folks focused on something that's very contained and simple. I mean, I, I think they need to learn, I mean, it doesn't have to be a text adventure game. I mean, you, but I think it's, I think it should be something that's like a command line type of programs. Okay. Everything else is just distraction. I know people like talk about making that kids need to see things that are like visual and graphical, but I think that's utter bullshit. I think, I think that's totally untrue. I mean, I think uh, most people look back and they learn, they were learning on command line stuff and they're writing really simple command line programs, basic yeah. programs. Yeah, no, no. And then that's, that's a, some truth to and that. And then when they got to, you know, and it wasn't until after they knew what for loops were and conditionals and functions and parameters variables and later on they're like doing things like websites and stuff. I mean, that's just adding on layers of just stuff. Then I didn't really, how does this stuff fit together? Just confusing. So what was the um, ultimate update about that? Update? I don't know if there's an ultimate update. Okay. <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know if I have an ultimate update. Just to say that, well, a couple of things. One, I, I want to get I'm gonna try. I'm gonna do my best to get the point system ready for Tuesday. Yeah. The, and and orga- I start organizing them in terms of levels, so that you have a motivation to work on stuff, not only in class but in uh, outside of class. That they can do some of these things, yeah. pick up points, and they can see a leaderboard for with everybody. But then I also want to start working on individual projects, and maybe 
I think the best thing to do is come up with, I think an adventure game. And when I talk about adventure game, I talk about something really simple. Now I'll have to take, try my hand at writing something really simple and, and say, okay, can this be something they can understand and then set it up. So, okay, everybody can write their own kind of adventure game. Yeah. You know, think of a story or think of something. And, um, uh, I don't know. That's my first idea, but there are other things we could do. Um, and the other thing, though, is I want to get... I'm, I'm starting to think that I want to get towards actual playing with some robots for too much longer. Okay. Like, I don't... Catalyst is not going to be just about programming. You know I mean? I, I've, you see a lot of these, That like, was just our good, first, our good first guess kind of thing. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that um, kids... Programming is a good thing because it's engaging. It's useful. I mean, the kids, kids can kind of... They can, they can, I think they can kind of, they can get it, right? It doesn't require deep knowledge of other things. Um, but also it can, it can be used as a tool for, for, for other things that we might engage in, right? Yeah. I do. So I think that, you know, robots and electronics are two things that I would like to get into. Um, so I, I was looking around to like, you know, like what's available. I think we're probably going to use the Mindstorms. I think that's probably going to be our first step. But I was also looking at... What are the Mindstorms? Well, um, Lego makes something called the Mindstorms, which which has like a... It's like a it's like a microcontroller kind of in a box. And you can hook it up to different some of the, the motors and stuff. So you can build little robots. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, and they have like a programming environment. I think the programming environment is kind of graphical, kind of just drag and drop and kind of, kind of silly. But I think you can... Um, if you want, you can program in um, you can program in C, but you can also program. I think some other thing you can program maybe Python or Java. Or what some about something like those quadcopters? Yeah, I'm, we need something that you can program. If you can't program it, then see, I, I want something. The reason I want to do robots is so that we can have things that learn, that can try and explore an, an, an environment. You know, yeah. like actually do things and actually sure. and, and actually make use of programming. Right. I, I mean, I mean, what's the point of having just a bunch of remote control cars running around? I mean, what does it have to do anything? I mean, that's just a toy. Well, the quadcopters thing, you can program them to make formations and all that. Kind you of. can program them? I think so. Yeah. Are you sure? Yeah. I also think they're pretty expensive. Oh, okay. I think enough. they're like very expensive, but you know, okay. for one, but not that you could do that later, but I think you get something simple where, cause you, you don't want all the kids, you know, 12 kids and like what, one robot. Right. You're all right. just going to be. Everyone's going to have their own one. Yeah, we need to have things that are relatively inexpensive that we at least have groups of two or three at the most per. It makes, per robot. Me, it makes me want to do robot wars. Well, that's what I want to where get. They fight each other. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I want to, but I think you do competitions where they have to like go through an obstacle course or do certain things, and yeah, you know. But you know, again, it, it makes them want to go back to the programming. It's like, okay, now here's how we program it. You know, just like we're doing like the little bots moving around the screen. We actually have physical robots that they can use the Technic Legos and the motors and stuff. So yeah, no, that's cool. I want to get to that soon. That had me thinking. One thing I was I was looking at this weekend a little bit just for my own entertainment was um, I was I don't, know, I don't even know how I got to this, but I was thinking about like some of the mathematics that you learn that you learn or that you would learn for say robot control, yeah, and things are are really advanced. They're the kind of things you learn in like graduate school, right, or at least upper division undergraduate um, classes, and. You know, I was thinking like, and there was a book called um, Nine Algorithms That Came to Rule the World or, or Change the World or something like that. And I talk about some, you know, important, important series, different important algorithms and why they're a big deal. Like, yeah. you know, um, Bayesian 
you know, Bayesian statistics and things like that. And one of them, but one of the, uh, one of the comments in, on Amazon that the guy left was like, yeah, but he left out common filters, fast Fourier transforms and linear programming. And each one of them was important, you know, for various reasons, right? Like, um, you know, you wouldn't have like satellites and missiles. And, uh, the, I think that a lot of the, the initial, like the Apollo missions were all controlled. We're all, um, using common filters, and I was always thinking, you know, because I remember thinking about common filters as just a way of like, say, you, you know, like imagine that you're trying to shoot down a plane with anti-aircraft gun or something. You're trying to track it. Yeah. You know, you might use something like a common filter to do that. Like you're trying to say like, you know, what's the current state of the plane? You know, how fast is it? Moving? What direction is moving? Um, how accurate are estimates? What's the error on like our, you know, our estimates of where it is? And then how do we track and try and shoot mm-hmm. it down, for instance? And but the mathematics on the, on the stuff is ridiculously complex. I mean, you know, it, it's, 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 it's the kind of thing that, like, if you haven't done that kind of math in a while, you just be, look at it and be like, there's just no way. Right? I mean, I was a math major. I'm looking at it like, I've forgotten most of this stuff. And I don't remember what a lot – I don't rem- – I'm familiar with the notation, but then I look at it and I don't really – like, if you said, all right, explain to me real quick, what does this mean? I'd be like, um, okay, so that's a transpose of a matrix. It's doing some operation. There's a series of points. You know, it's just it's just kind of faded. But it would be cool as if you, ha- if you could ex- figure out a way to explain things – algorithms like this in really simple language like you use really simple examples simple you simple first uh simple explanations follow simple examples and then build on them but then have in code and write it in javascript here's a simple version of a common filter in javascript hmm. is a slightly more complicated we'll play add on and make it more complicated without using really sophisticated math to show it well i would like it if you could do that because then i could learn right well like how would i like you didn't take college math right if I showed you, but if I explained things in terms of just intuitive concepts and like for loops, <laughs> you'd be like, okay, I get it. Right. Yeah. So you're, because I mean, the thing is, is that I'm that way too now. Like I don't think of things I mathematically and in terms of math notation, like I, you know, when you do math a lot, you can just reduce any sort of advanced concept into like, oh, an equation, like, okay, this is, this is what it is. And I'm so out of practice, I, I it, 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 you know, it still makes me... Does it become like a language, like you, if you were going to think in French or if you're going to think in English? No, it's, it's, but it's like programming, right? Like you can think of things in terms of, if, if I have a series of like, I don't know, complicated relationships, you, you could just think of that in terms of programming. Like, oh, right, that's just right. a this and a loop and a, that's a function and, right. And that's just how, when you're more math, when you have strong mathematical tool set, then you can just frame it okay well that's a matrix i mean that's just this operation da, 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 da. but it'd be interesting to see if you could do that with explain these things with limited math without resorting to that and using speaking the language of actual code because i think a lot of these mathematical tools would be useful to programmers and most programmers don't know enough math to do that or they've forgotten it a lot of them won't admit it they like to think that they're badass in that way. Like, oh, yeah, I did this. But it's been like years and they don't really remember it, right? Well, I'd love to understand physics. Like, that would like too. Phys- physics, math, you know, like when something slows down in a way that's kind of got gravity in the equation. Right. You know, that kind of thing. I'd love to understand how to program that. Yeah, because, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know, whether it's the physics or the math, I mean, it's not so complicated that you couldn't explain it 
to 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 someone who doesn't have a deep mathematical background um in a way that they would get it yeah like i can i explain it to you in such a way in a piece of paper and a pen that you could actually write a pro, uh, you sit down and go okay i think i can code that up i think you should be able, you could be able to do that That'd but it's cool. funny because but whenever they explain these things they're like well I don't, this isn't going to be a rigorous treatment but then they immediately go into all this crazy math and you're like, you just eliminated 95% of the people, right. you know, even the people who you think should have the mathematical background to be able to do it, they've forgotten most of it, right? It's been 5, 10, 20 years since they've taken that math and they build iPhone apps and building relational databases and whatever. They haven't been doing vector calculus. They don't remember how to do, you know, they don't remember Green's theorem or they don't know what a Jacobian is anymore. I forgot. Like, I, they know they used to know it. And they'll kind of pretend that they think that they kind of know it, but they don't really know it. <laughs> and so it's kind of done. You know, it's, it's kind of impenetrable. But it'd be, it'd, be, it'd be interesting to do that. That's like the other sort of like book I would like to write. But maybe you could do it in a series of blog posts. Well, I'd like to see that. So let's see if we got anything else. To... This is the, um, I hope you don't mind, but this is going to be the last one of the evening. Is that it? Yeah, I, yeah. Got, I, got, a, I got basketball tonight. Oh, you know what I think happened was really weird to me? So I had a soccer game on Wednesday. And, you know, I was just warming up and we were up, the game was just about ready to start. I had a good warm up. I'm like, I'm feeling good. Like I, you know, sometimes I'm rushing there and I don't get much time to warm up. And I'm like, oh God, I hope I don't pull a muscle. Cause, yeah. But I like, I actually got a good warm up in. And I was on the field and they were and my buddy Dino I we were like trying to figure out who was going to sub out and Dino I'm like alright Dino why you sub out first and, and he's like oh man I don't want to sub out and so I kind of turned to him sideways and kind of I'm like dude and I just kind of pushed him I'm like just sub out and sub him for me in 10 minutes you know just yeah, just mess, just joking around I just grab him and push and I turn around and I could barely bend my knee like my knee was all screwed up like it was like, it was like, like almost like it felt like it, got, it was out of joint a little bit huh. and all of a sudden I'm like I couldn't walk Oh my god! And everybody's like, "What's wrong?" And I'm like thinking, oh, "I'm thinking like, oh, I just need to just like shake it, pop out. it, shake it. And it'll be okay. Yeah. It's just like a weird, you know. Sometimes you'll, uh, yeah, no, I've had that, yeah. So, but it wouldn't get back in place or whatever. And I'm like, I could barely walk. I'm like, uh, yeah, Dino, you're in. I'm out. And I'm out. And everybody's like, what happened, dude? And I'm like, you wouldn't even play the game, and you're already hurt. I'm like, I don't know. I, I was That's really worried. That's age. I mean, Dana Carvey had a, ske- a sketch about that that was so funny. He was he was like. What is the deal with getting old, man? I mean, like you just bend over and pick up a pencil and all of a sudden you've pulled a muscle, you know, and it <sighs> just sounds like. But, you know, that stuff's happened to me. Different things have happened to me when I was in my 20s and 30s. Yeah. So I don't know if it's, I mean, probably stuff happens more frequently when you're older. But is it, so, is it okay now? So it's really interesting. So so I could barely walk home. I mean, walk to the car. And then yeah. when I'm walking, Sandy sees me walking and she's like, oh, no. Like <laughs> she thought maybe I tore my ACL again. Right. And uh, I was like, I, you know, I don't know. I, um, that was a lot of pain. I was icy and taking ibuprofen. So the next morning, I'm um, in the kitchen and one of my daughters asked me for a glass of water or something. And so I turn and pivot to my left, which was kind of how I pivoted when I pushed Dino. And all of a sudden, a little pop. And all of a sudden, I'm like, it almost feels better. <laughs> like I was like I was like it's like like all of a sudden I could extend because before I couldn't extend my knee past eighty percent. So it something did pop. It, it just it was a little tiny pop and all of a sudden like I could bend it. I was like I feel great or not, not great but I felt like eighty like okay I'm about eighty percent better. And then later that day I'm walking in the bedroom and one of the kids had spilled applesauce on the floor and I step in it. <laughs> right? I'm like, oh, come on, you know, which is what happens when you have kids, right? Right. And so we have these hardwood floors, so it's not that big a deal. But then I'm, but I have it all over my foot, but I don't want to walk 
I don't want to spread it off the floor, so I'm walking on my heel. I'm putting my that leg. I'm standing. I'm, I'm I'm using my heel. Yeah. So I walk across the room, kind of foot, heel, foot, heel, with the rest of my foot up with the applesauce on it. And after about the fifteenth step, I to my heel and put in pressure here, and I had this other pop. And all of a sudden, I'm like, hundred <laughs> <laughs> percent, hundred percent better. Okay, that's that's nuts. What is that all about? That's, just, that's the universe doing uh, some kind of I don't know healing system on you. Uh, that's, that's I was hilarious. just I was just thankful that it wasn't anything worse because I thought you know because there are cases where people hurt themselves really badly doing almost nothing. I remember I can't remember which kicker it was. It was like when they won like the Super Bowl and he's jumping up and down celebrating and then he tore his ACL. And I remember um, Beckham tore his Achilles ten Achilles. Tenon, he was backing up, getting ready to kick a free kick, and he was taking a step backwards and tore his Achilles. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, this stuff happens every once in a while. I'm yeah. like, what did I do? But I must have, just, I was like, did I pivot? Did I tear some of the cartilage in some weird way? Yeah. I don't know, but I got lucky on that one. Whoa, well done. So I get to go play basketball, and I'm going to go run home, change, and go play some ball. All right, well. Some ball. I guess that's it, right? <laughs> I guess I, I used up my last, one last thing. But, uh, oh, well. Um, and I had some letters from the dark side, too. I guess you have to gonna, save it for next time, and that's right. going to be in two weeks. Two weeks? Why? Because we've got an interview next week. Well, not necessarily. Oh, if we're doing um, Rob yeah. on? Yeah. Right. Okay. Well, then I'll just throw it out there. I throw it out there? Go on, then. So, uh, the, um, the House just passed the latest version of the National Defense Authorization Act, an amendment, which removes a ban against uh, propaganda, using propaganda on the U.S. population. Oh. Yeah. So you, it was can, that, it was so you a, can use propaganda. Well, that's what they're trying to push. They're to basically saying that, you know, we spend a huge amount of money on propaganda for people in Europe, Asia, you know, and, and, and the regions that were prosecuting wars, right? You know, in Afghanistan, there's a ton of propaganda. Yeah. And, you know, there were some of the WikiLeaks, they, they came, it came out like the propaganda was used against the German public to try and get them to be for war in Afghanistan and what worked in France and, you know. So they would push that out. So they want to use it. Oh, God. So, in, but they're saying, well, I mean, their argument is that, you know, in order to, to maintain a strong center of gravity of support in the U.S. for, you know, various wars. And uh, that passed the House, actually. It was in Business Insider. That's nuts. That so so that, that's back in law now? Yeah. Oh, no, when it passes the House, then it needs to go to the next place. It still has to pass the Senate and has to be, uh, hopefully it'll be, hopefully someone in the Senate will stand up and say, no, that's not going to happen. But it passed and there's another thing in there talking, they were talking about, uh, also Business Insider covered this too, which was the um, issue with, uh, you know, the um, indefinite attention, you mm-hmm. know, the idea that, you know, you can just throw, an Ameri- throw, throw not only just throw a, a, you know, some foreigner in jail, but you throw an American in jail and not bring them to trial if they're in a military prison. But, oh. the, but, they, but they, they threw some language in there that at first seemed like it was supposed to overturn that, but it basically just was a bunch of BS that didn't say anything and uh, just made it even probably more, more difficult to, um, to make sure, to ensure that someone gets a trial, whatever. So anyway, <laughs> I just thought I'd throw that one in there. Okay, you got a couple of A little there. feel-good thing at the end there. Thanks. But hopefully the Senate will come through for us. All right. That's a wrap. We're out. We're out.